When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, college basketball. It may only be mid-November, but for Tom Mizzle and the Spartans, the season is already in full swing after a pair of pulse-pounding games against National Powers Gonzaga in Kentucky over the last week. It's just the start of what is sure to be an incredibly entertaining season for Michigan State as they take on a ridiculous non-conference schedule before Big Ten play. We will discuss our takeaways from both games as well as Michigan State football's win against Rutgers on episode 93 of MLive Spartan Confidential Podcast. Brandon Champion, world traveler Kyle Austin, and Matt Wenzel with you on a snowy November 16th, 2022. Kyle, welcome back to the Mitten. Are you dreaming of the California sunshine yet? Uh, the California sunshine was not much warmer than the mitten when I left it. So it was not, it was not the, uh, the break I thought it would be, but, uh, huh. um, still good, still a good trip. Yeah. No white stuff on the ground at least no. uh, out there. Uh, Matt, how are you doing? Are you dreaming of overcast East Lansing skies <laughs> yet? <laughs> yeah, but I've been checking the weather forecast for Saturday. Not looking so great, but, uh, wasn't great Pat, this last week, but you know, I mean, you're in mid to late November. Everybody knows what the deal is. It's going to be can, ugly. You can start scouting bowl locations soon, though, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I was going to bring that up on today's episode, actually. So hold that thought, Matt. Hold that thought. I was going to, I was going to, I'm going to bring that up when we get to the football section, uh, which will come up a little bit later in today's show. We're going to lead with basketball, considering Michigan State's thrilling double overtime win against Kentucky last night. This is on the heels of a one-point loss to Gonzaga in a game that Michigan State easily could have won. Uh, if you could please like, rate, and review the podcast, it'd be very much appreciated. All our post-game coverage of last night's game uh, and everything Michigan State is at MLive.com slash Spartans. And please follow us all, all on Twitter. I think most of you know where to find us. Um, but Kyle, we can get into Gonzaga in a bit here, but uh, let's jump right into Kentucky because the game just happened last night. A thrilling, thrilling basketball game uh, on pretty much every level between two top-tier programs in Indianapolis as part of the Champions Classic, uh, making Duke and Kentucky wait in the tunnels uh, for longer than they needed to. I, I kind of enjoyed that. They kept cutting to them time and time again. Um, but, Kyle, I mean, this is this was everything you wanted in a college basketball game. And for Michigan State fans, it ended, it ended uh, obviously, in a positive way. Yeah, I mean, obviously one of the better college basketball games that, that I think I've ever seen. Um, I mean, not only that it goes to double overtime, but it's like in such dramatic fashion uh, both times, you know. Um, Tyson Walker misses the shot. Oh, wait, they get one more chance because of the missed free throw. Um, and like extending a game twice on dunks with like less than five seconds left both times. Like that, you're never going to see that again. Um, mm-hmm. And 
Uh, I thought Michigan State just executed just about flawlessly uh, when they really needed to. They were sloppy at times. They had a lot of turnovers, but when it really came down to it, um, they ran their plays well. I don't think they had any turnovers in either overtime period. Um, so it, they just played like a veteran team. They were. I don't think anybody's going to mistake them for being more talented than that Kentucky team, but um, they they had guys who had been there before, and they had guys that made all the plays they needed to when they needed to. And those those two out of bounds plays, I mean, I'm still kind of in awe of how how well those ran, especially the full court one. I mean, we, maybe we can talk about that one a little bit more, but that that oh, one yeah. still kind of blows my mind. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, listen, Tom Izzo has been, I would say, under fire more than than regularly the last couple of years as Michigan State has just sort of been there. You know, not a bad team, but not a great team. And he doesn't do anything in the transfer portal. You know, it seemed like recruiting was was sort of falling off. Obviously, that's changed now with him bringing in signing the number three recruiting class coming in next year. Now he takes down Kentucky with banking on his guys. And I just thought last night was a Tom Izzo masterclass. I mean, his the way he was I know he was giving credit to his assistants and particularly the out of bounds play. Um, but but Tom was pushing all the right buttons in the moments he needed to, and the guys were executing. And I just thought last night was sort of a reminder for, you know, maybe not those of us who follow the program day to day, but for people nationally that there's a reason Tom Izzo is a Hall of Famer and one of the top coaches in the sport. Well, and, and frankly, I thought he kind of coached circles around Calipari um, last mm-hmm. night, who's another Hall of Famer. Um, I, mean, I mean, Cal admitted afterwards, he's like, we haven't even, we haven't worked on, you know, maybe he would just kind of cover for his guys, but he said, like, we haven't worked on that sort of stuff. We haven't had time. It's like, really? Not as much, not as much time as all the other teams. And Michigan yeah. State seemed to have their, um, their sideline out of plays or baseline out of bounds plays down. So, yeah. And then, I mean, decisions like, yeah, there was a time there when they sat Madi Sissoko for a while and it's like, oh, they're waiting him too long. Carson Cooper's uh, not doing too well out there, but Monty comes back. He's fresh and pretty much outplays Oscar Sheboy, uh down the stretch and um, does not foul out and Sheboy fouled out. So it's like, you know, um, it, it was one of the better coaching performances I think I've seen, um, and, and players were were quick to do it. But, you know, players executed, too. Uh, it, it takes both, and I thought they got both those down the stretch and um, really one of the better played games uh, I've seen. If you were going to tell me before the game that Oscar Shibwe was going to, you know, go for 22-18 and 18 against Michigan State, and Michigan State was going to have all these turnovers, and – and Michigan state won the game. I mean that I wouldn't have believed you, but like Monty Sissoko, his performance in these first two games, you know, both against Gonzaga and Kentucky going up against Drew Timmy and Oscar Shibwe, My mind is blown by his play. I mean, mm-hmm. what 16 and eight last night uh, against Gonzaga. He had, uh, what was it? Uh, 14 and nine. I mean, if Monty Sissoko is going to play like this, particularly in overtime, he had a couple steals, uh, or I think it was before uh, overtime. I can't remember when Sheboy fouled out, right before the second overtime. 30, 32 it? seconds left in the first overtime. Yeah. Okay, so but he's like anticipating in uh, passes into him in the post, getting mm-hmm. steals, holding his ground. He's helping uh, on defense when he's supposed to. If he's going to play like this, Michigan State's ceiling is way higher than we originally thought. Like I, I thought like his ceiling was going to be like, serviceable frankly um if i'm being totally honest i thought it's like okay if they can get like solid defense out of Monty sissoko have him not be in foul trouble all the time um and he rebounds well like that that's what they need like 
and he's averaging 15 points a game through two games against top five competition. Like I, I'm, my mind is blown by that. Cause like, we hadn't seen much of Monty, but like what we'd seen, like he wasn't playable on offense, you know? Um, like he couldn't really do anything the last couple of years on offense. Like I'm, I am struggling to find, to think of a Michigan state player like, and I know it's only been three games. Um, so I don't want to get too ahead of ourselves, but I, I struggle to think of a Michigan state player who like year to year has taken that big of a leap through three games of the season. Like it's pretty unbelievable. There was a, co- I mean, like, sorry, go ahead, Matt. I don't remember if it was the first overtime or second overtime, but Dick Vitale saying Mati Sissoko is a star in the making. Just, <laughs> I mean, if somebody, if somebody told you that going into the season, that that's what you'd be hearing from Dick Vitale in the champions classic. Um, wow. <laughs> Pretty but nice. yeah, I just, I just really, you know, really, really impressed. I, I don't know what else to say other than the fact that he's been outstanding. It's- it's ridiculous. I mean, the people, the reason we knew Michigan State's backcourt was solid, tough, uh, good players, but you know, all the questions were in the front court. I still think there is a question there if Mavi Sissoko gets into foul trouble. You know, Jackson Kohler, I think, did okay. Um, he was, he was but, better and, than Gonzaga, I thought, last time. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, Carson Cooper's not ready. He was in there just because they needed a body. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and Kohler's going to be limited defensively. But that, So that is still a concern. But Sissoko's elevating his game is is really incredible. Um, and, and something to see, I was going to say, like, I was trying to think of guys who would sort of, I mean, I think Kenny Goins took a pretty big jump when he got to be an upperclassman. I think, mm. uh, like if you want to go back further, like Drew Namick had a really big senior year after just being like, so, so, uh, I mean, that's a little bit of a blast from the past, but this does happen with his guys. And, you know, he t- tried to tell everyone he could all summer that Monty Sissoko, he's taking a huge loop. He looks great. But I think we sort of like brush it off as like, okay, Tom, but you know, you're just building him up, but he won lion. I mean, it's, it's pretty remarkable uh, what has happened here. You know, Joey Hauser, you know, after having a very rough game against Gonzaga comes out and is making everything he sees uh, the team is getting good looks for him. Jaden Aiken still not all the way back. I don't think, but some timely plays, including that crate. We saw the athleticism on that crazy uh, reverse play and Tyson Walker um, after having, you know, some rough spots throughout the game completely relaxes in overtime and when he became the main point guard, that's when things started really clicking for Michigan State in the double OT. And I just give Walker a lot of credit uh, for sort of uh, bouncing back from those missed shots for game winners and just executing in overtime, throwing the lobs to Mahdi, uh, knocking down some really tough clutch shots. Hogarth, I think, struggled a little bit, especially in the Kentucky game. But again, Malik Hall, you know, getting dunks. We see it. This team you know, maybe it hurts them in these end of game situations sometimes not having that straight go-to guy, but they can get production from a lot of different places. And that was the case last year, but this year it seems like all the play is sort of ticked up a little bit uh, for the Spartans. A couple of things that stood out and impressed me. One, you mentioned Tyson Walker. He, he has had now three shots to beat top five teams. Like game, like three top five game winners. We're like a week into the season, and he's had three <laughs> chances at game winners against top five teams, which is like mind blowing. And he's missed all three of them, and he does all that. And it's like you know, you wouldn't blame a kid for. Um, I guess he didn't technically take the shot against Gonzaga, but he slipped and couldn't. Yeah, he take the slept. Shot off. Yeah. Um, um, but you wouldn't blame a kid for hanging his head after that, especially after he missed two in a row. And those were good shots he took. Like that 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 one at the end of regulation, that was like an open eight-footer, like inside the free throw line that he's going to make nine times out of ten and miss that one. Um, but 
you know, he, he doesn't let it get to him, just kind of shrugs it off. And then I thought played a fantastic second overtime. Um, he was he was the guy. I mean, Monty had the couple of dunks and was finishing well, but Tyson was the one finding him. Uh, like you said, AJ was a little off. So I think Tyson kind of picked up the slack for him in the second overtime and really brought him home. So, you know, the mental fortitude to, to shrug off, you know, those missed opportunities and do that really stood out to me. And then Joey Hauser, like just his demeanor out there. I mean, he went for, he went for 23 and eight and like just shot hunting, looking like a player with total confidence that we just haven't seen before. And maybe that's just because he saw a couple fall early and that came to him. But if, if he can find a way to play with that confidence more often, uh, he's going to be a really good player for them. Cause we've all known for a while that he has all the tools. He has all the shooting. Um, and we, we've talked about on the podcast, it's been a little bit between the ears for him, but he was yeah. definitely right between the ears last night and we saw what they produced. So um, I, I think, I, I think we could be seeing more nights like that. for him. Do you see the minutes guys played last night? 46, 46 for Hauser, <laughs> 46 for Walker, 42 for Malik Hall. You know, 35 for Hogarth, 33 for Monty Sissoko. You know, Aikens played 27, and the four other guys are in single digits. I mean, we talked about this coming into this season, that there was going to be a shorter rotation uh, for this team. And and the continuity really does seem to be helping this team, uh, at least early on. I want to ask you about Gonzaga just just briefly. I mean, I know it's been a couple days old now, but set the scene for us. That, That had to have been pretty cool out there. Oh, my gosh. It was it was one of the coolest things I've ever done. And it's almost like the basketball was secondary, like the basketball was cool, but like just getting a chance to see uh, an aircraft carrier like that up in person, go on it, be among service members um, who are all incredible um, on veterans day. Uh, it was just really cool. I, I highly recommend if anybody ever has a chance to to see an aircraft carrier up close or, or tour one, you should do it because it was um, just an incredible feat of engineering. And and then on top of it, yeah, you're playing a basketball game. It's it's a cool environment. There's only about three or four thousand fans. So it definitely feels a little bit different and more intimate um, than a, um, than a college, a regular college basketball game. But um, just a ton of cool elements to it. And you know, you're, you're thinking about outside, you're, you know, you're feeling the wind, you know, you're wondering about the floor. It just, it, it had so many things that were different or unique, but having the sun go down and um, having to play, I mean, it was not a high level game because of the conditions, but um, everything else about it, I just, I just thought it was awesome. Um, I'm not sure we need to be doing it every year, but um, uh, it, it, it was definitely a cool experience. It looks cool on TV too. I mean, I think it translates pretty well actually when they're doing the the overhead shots and shooting down on it and you just see it like in the middle of the ship and you got the sunset going on in the background and just the skies that show up out there in San Diego. It's pretty amazing. I actually got to watch the game when I didn't think I was going to be because <laughs> I made my way up to Manhattan College to watch Manhattan play Central Connecticut State. We get to our seats, front row, center court. Come over the loudspeaker. Attention fans and all 12 people there like, look, look at each other like upset and they 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 call the game because of unplayable court conditions i'm like are we not inside like it was raining in new york i get it but like we're inside and they're calling this game literally they're playing a game on an aircraft carrier outside and they're playing but manhattan college is calling games indoors so i made my all the way up my way all the way up to the bronx to go to a game and hear them cancel it so i spent the entire time in a seedy uh manhattan college bar shout out fenwick's watching this entire game with a bunch of New Yorkers who were like, why is this guy being such a crazy person? Uh, But yeah, that's my Manhattan trip. They are doing everything they can to torch that once proud program, Kyle. It makes me sad. 
Yeah, uh, sad to see that. But um, <laughs> on the flip side, I mean, shoot, man, if Jay Nakin's shot goes down against Gonzaga, Oof. Michigan State's like on its way to being number one. Like, like how how insane is that? Like, I, Kentucky and Gonzaga are one and three in Ken Palm right now. Right. Um. I. I just. I did not expect this from this team. They have. Um. They have far exceeded my expectations so far. It's you know it's a marathon. We got a long way to go, but um, just showing on two nights that you can go out there and compete toe to toe with teams like that. Um. This team is just going to be different than I thought, and uh, I think the. The experience that they have, the number of different options that they have um, are all working in. And I just think guys that haven't really put it all together yet are starting to look like they're putting it together. Um, Malik Hall has been better with Joey Hauser has been better. Uh, I think those two guys kind of lead the way for me. Um, Tyson Walker has been solid. Like they, they might not need a start because I think they've got enough really good players that um, I think they're going to be able to, to win more games this year than I would have predicted. And they they just look better early on. I mean, think about how this team could look by the end of the season. I mean, they right. they could really look good if they continue on this trajectory. Um, and I, I think, do you get the sense that Tom knew this was going to happen, or do you think he was really gambling, rolling this out? Um, so he didn't mean to make the schedule this hard. Basically, like the, the aircraft carrier was offered to him late in the game, and he couldn't turn it down. But I, I do think that, like he has been saying, um over the summer that he thinks his team's good and, and he'll be pretty honest with you if he thinks the team's good or needs work. And um, I think they were feeling pretty good about this team. I don't think they expected them to play quite this well, but um, I, I think they felt good. I think they liked what they saw behind the scenes all throughout the summer. Um, and, and, and Monty Sissoko, I mean, the biggest question is turning into a strength for them. So um, yeah, I, I think coaches felt good about it and I think we're seeing why. Mm-hmm. Two games into the season, you have to say, uh, Izzo's gamble to stick with his guys has paid off. Obviously, a long way to go. That starts with Villanova <laughs> on Friday. At least yeah, they're coming to the nice. Breslin Center, but they've been struggling. They're without two of their best players, Cam right. Whitmore and Justin Moore, are still coming off that injury he suffered in the NCAA tournament. At the Breslin Center, they're down at 33. You would you would think Michigan State would take care of business, but you need to avoid a letdown here on Friday. Right. I mean, you're sandwiched between kind of your key events there because um, you're going out to Portland next week, which they got a little bit of break before that, which is good. But yeah, I mean, um, they'll need to be locked in um, potential for a trap game, as you said. And and Villanova has struggled, you know, lost to Temple and we're in a pretty tight game late with Delaware State. So um, they've been struggling, but they've got they're a talented team um, and, and making some adjustments under a new coach there. But um, they certainly have the potential of, of pulling the upset at at Breslin Center, but Michigan State plays like it did the last two games. They should be um, on their way to a three and one start to the season, which is not not what I would have expected. Where would you have them ranked right now? Top ten, probably ten to fifteen. Um, yeah. I, I, I think they should be top ten. I think I should say I think they should be top ten. I like I think you should. I think the ranking should be really topsy-turvy early because you don't know anything mm-hmm. going in and it should be totally based on what you've done, not based on what you, the preseason rankings and Michigan state played a one point game with the number two team in the country and beat the number four team. So like that's top 10, but voters don't seem to be able to do the wild swings that that would take. So I, I think they will be though, probably 10 to 15 range, which it's pretty good. So Gary Parrish put him at five from yeah, TBS. Kind of wild. 
<laughs> so, but he's he does he doesn't mind doing the topsy turvy thing, which I do. Which appreciate. you should do, I think. Yeah. yeah. And then yeah. as the season goes on, and you've seen more and more of them, it sh- it should kind of even out. But um, yeah. I mean, shoot, I mean, how many? I feel like we've seen a lot of teams we thought would be pretty good lose some pretty surprising. Five uh, games are being lost all no. over the place. Louisville's zero and three. Florida State's like zero and three. Like the, the Pac twelve can't beat the SWAC on the road. Yeah, you know? the SWAC. Yeah, the SWAC won the challenge against the Pac twelve. <laughs> That is amazing. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Michigan State's out here playing some of the best teams in the country and, and getting it done. And you've got all these other teams that are not really helping themselves at all by playing and, these teams. So, yeah, we're going to say I, I think we've seen Tom Izzo's scheduling model um, justified a little bit because, you know, these some of these games we talked about, I mean, you got to play by games, but like especially the swack ones, like that's no benefit, all risk, you know, those sorts of games. And I feel like these type these last two games Michigan State played, there's a lot more potential benefit out there than risk. Like even if they had lost those two, like your strength of schedule is going to be so good. Like it really, like your total, no one's your win hold total that against them. No, your win total at the end of the year doesn't really matter that much. And if you, they have shown time and time again that if you drive that strength of schedule, strength of schedule metric up towards the end of the year, they're going to take care of you on selection Sunday, and that's what they're mm-hmm. doing. And you give yourself an opportunity, you get a win to boot, and you're sitting here in, in pretty darn good shape. I will give the Pac-12 some credit because they did go play at some of these SWAC schools to try and elevate, you know, HBCUs, which which is cool. I think yeah, cool yeah, idea. you're right. That that's admirable. Yeah. So, anything else on basketball? Or are we good to go on football? No, no. I think uh, I think we can move on to uh, to football. All right. Matt, Special give, teams Matt, corner. Give Matt, give Matt a chance to uh, to chime in here. <laughs> Special teams corner awaits. But Matt, hey, Michigan State five and five, back to five hundred. Uh, gets a win that you know everyone expected them to get against Rutgers at home. Uh, you know, looked okay. I would say again, I was out in New York City, so I didn't get to have full eyeballs on this, but I tried to watch some extended highlights. Um, you know, they get the win. Yeah, I mean, basically, it was a game they had to win, and they won it, and you know, that move on type of thing. It's pretty much the same situation this week, a game they need to win and expect to take care of business. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was an okay performance uh, overall. I thought that it was one that they they kind of wasted some opportunities early. They should have probably had a, a larger lead and it not come down to being a six-point game and an onside kick and all that crap uh, late. But, um, you know, I guess takeaways, uh, you know, uh, the run game was – there's obviously signs of encouragement there. That was their – I would say their best rushing performance of the season um, when you consider the opponents. Um, they go for almost 200. Um, Berger and, and Broussard, um, you know, both over 80 yards or more. And I thought they looked good. Um, it was interesting seeing Broussard in there more because we hadn't seen that much of him since Akron. You know, really a, a decreased role. He had the touchdown run at Illinois. Um, and then uh, we have like 15 carries or whatever it was last week. I can't even remember. But um Let's see. We talked about box scores earlier. 11 carries for 80 yards. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I just I, I there were good signs in the run game. Uh, Peyton Thorne didn't have his best day, you know, made some good throws, missed some some easy ones you got to make. Uh, I thought the offensive line did did well, you know, considering especially they were without two starters. Uh, Jarrett Horst remains. Uh, he's missed the last two games. Matt Carrick wasn't there. So, you know, going a little deeper in the rotation, uh, Gino Vandermark wasn't available either. So, a lot of Brian Green, Brandon Baldwin, um, but yeah, and and I don't think they gave up a sack. So, um, yeah, and then defensively, I don't know. It's <laughs> you give up like 460 yards or whatever it is to Rutgers, and you know over 200 on the ground to a team that offensively is just not very good. Um, so some definite concerns there, but you know, again, they kept the score down. So I guess you you take the trade off, but. Uh, 
some some issues uh, in the run defense, which I, I can't believe they gave up. Uh, you know, what was it, two hundred twenty-four yards on the on the ground to to Rutgers? That that's surprising. Um, so uh, I'll wrap it up with some special teams. <laughs> uh, obviously, a huge factor in the game. Um, you know, their kicking game had been atrocious this season, but uh, Ben Patton steps up and makes uh, both of his field goal attempts. So. They are now, uh, what are they, doubled their field goals uh, made for the season um, in one game. Um, so, yeah, and those are those are huge kicks. It was a six-point game, you know, he made two field goals. And then um, uh, Jacob Slade with the block field goal there in the fourth quarter was big. And, obviously, Bryce Baringer remains Bryce Baringer and uh, can be relied upon. Still don't know how that one, uh, that penalty was running into the kicker and not roughing the kicker, but he still got it away for, what, like 62 yards or whatever the hell it was. It was ridiculous. But – I guess just overall, it was good enough to beat Rutgers and move on. Bad beat for some people out there uh, <laughs> with that last uh, touchdown from Rutgers. Uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how you give that up, but uh, in double coverage, no less. But um, I think how did that cost me on the? Uh, I think that cost me on the Big Ten picks with the. I took I'm Michigan not, I'm State. Not, I'm not great at the Big Ten picks. Okay, so well, I'm pretty sure I. I'm pretty sure I took them to cover, and and that touchdown screwed me. But. Uh, <laughs> Anyway, you weren't yeah, alone. I, you weren't alone. <laughs> yeah. So, but uh, yeah, I mean, just, you know, I, okay performance, um, all things considered, being shorthanded still and, and all that. Am I reading this correctly? Cal Halde had 19 tackles. Yeah. Um, the, <laughs> the tackle stat's interesting because some of those <laughs> games, um, you you see, you, we don't even, you look at it at the box score afterwards and you're like, holy, how many, how did he have that many tackles? But, you know, Cal's, you know, he's all over the place. It's a, uh, Back-to-back Big Ten Player of the Week awards for him. Um, for being so bad on defense, they've had what, five? Five. five of ten, <laughs> they've played ten games, and they've had five Big Ten Defensive Players of the Player of the Week. And you look at, the, obviously, their defensive numbers. Doesn't really make sense, but um, whatever. Uh, it's, you know, that's, their, <laughs> that's a decision that is made by the conference uh, in some way, shape, or form. So, um, yeah, uh, I remember talking to – uh, Dan Bass, who who owns like the uh, program record for tackles in a game, it was like thirty three or thirty five or something. Um, he's not very proud of that record because he, as he noted, it was it's not exactly a stat you want because it means your defense can't get off the field. And and that his uh, record came, I think it was like a blowout loss to Ohio State. But uh, just kind of having some fun with it. I don't really want to get in the habit of you know complaining about opposing teams' coaches, but. What what is Shiano doing at the end there when they're taking the knee? Like this, just asking for trouble. You know, maybe I meant to look this up. Um, I thought he had that reputation um, when he was in the uh, in the NFL. Maybe I'm misremembering this. Um, oh yeah, I, I think there was I, an incident. I, I, I com did, did a big story about it. And they talked. Yeah, about it. He, he, so, pulled, he pulled in the NFL, and they were not too happy with him. Yeah, I just think it's cheap. I mean, the game's over. I, you know, I don't see the point in, in risking injury uh, on either side. Um, or extracurriculars. I, or yeah. Anything. I mean, it's just, you know, I, I don't like it. I, I don't, I don't know why you do it. The game's over, you know, all they have to do is put a knee down. You think I, I just, I don't get it. I don't like it. Yeah. That was a whole thing in the NFL. Now that I think about it, when he was coaching yeah. the Bucks, Yeah. I think there was a, Somebody, I can't remember which coach it was that got that freaked out on it, but uh, that was, that was his, his explanation is he thinks that he can cause a fumble. 
by doing that and get the ball back, um, which seems like a minute possibility. And the possibility of somebody getting hurt or starting a brawl seems way larger. And now, mm-hmm. and, and I know this is not his problem because he wasn't involved, but like Michigan State just had a big issue at the end of a game. You know, it's like, like we got to, coaches can need to start thinking bigger picture about stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, you know, suddenly, you know, a month ago, we were thinking that a bowl game wasn't looking likely for Michigan State, but now here they are. Uh, they have to beat, you know, one of the worst teams in the conference at home and they're bowl eligible. Um, I, you know, obviously there is the opportunity if they somehow lost Indiana, they go to Happy Valley and win, but I don't think Michigan State wants to deal with that scenario. Um, you know, six and six, not what, uh, you know, if that isn't, does how it end up is not what Michigan State fans, you know, had in mind at the start of this year, but it was looking pretty bleak there for a while. And now you're sort of looking at uh, starting to look at some maybe bowl bids and Matt, I know you're, you're always scoping out bowl locations. Um, but you know, I, I don't know. I was sort of digging around in the projections, you know, music city bowl seems like they wouldn't be able to quite sneak in there, but you know, the pinstripe bowl, uh, I think they, they call the Arizona one, the guaranteed rate bowl. And then there's obviously the quick lane bowl. Uh, I think they might even be, be able to eligible in even years for the Dukes Mayo bowl, which is always entertaining because the coach gets doused in Mayo. Um, you know, I don't know where Michigan state's going to fall in among big 10 eligible teams. If they do in fact get there, but they, they do tend to, you know, be a little bit of a draw for these bowl committees because they, their fans do travel. Yeah. I mean, the bowl stuff, I get it. Everybody does their projections. Some of them are wrong. They don't read into <laughs> what it takes, you know, some of the, there's so the many language. Yeah. yeah. And, and if you're wondering the big 10 site, uh, their uh, Big Ten Bowl determination procedures um, is f- still from 2019. So, uh, yeah, that's not very helpful. But, um, yeah, I just, I don't know. Ever since um, 2017, I've kind of not put a lot of stock in that stuff. Um, little inside baseball booked flights to uh, two different Florida cities for two different bowls that they were heavily, that were, they were getting those where Michigan State was heavily projected to go to one or the other. And then I can't remember which one it was, citrus, whatever, took Michigan over Michigan State and then uh, ended up in yeah, San that, Diego. So, um, yeah, whatever. I mean, I'm not complaining because that, that was San Diego. Shoot, that was the best bowl trip I've ever been on. So uh <laughs> worked out just fine for me. I don't know any sports writers who uh, complain about going to a bowl game in San Diego. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I don't know. It's just uh, wait till that Sunday and then let me know where, where they're going and, and go from there. Um, and speaking selfishly, uh, if it's the quick lane bowl, I will not be complaining. It makes it a lot, things a lot, a lot easier. That's where we thought they were going to end up in uh, 2019. Um, and they got sent to New York. So uh, who knows? Yeah. If they last pick them, I'm sure the quick lane bowl would take them in a second if they could get them. Yeah. It would have to get to the quick lane bowl, yeah. I think too. And so it'd be, you know, Day that's after Christmas Mac matchup. That's why I feel like they've never played in the quick lane bowl because some other bowl, like you mentioned, the pinstripe bowl in 19 swoops in and they're like, well, we could get more, you know, Michigan state fans to come to New York than, you know, pick a team, you know, who, you know, some, yeah. you know, Illinois, you know, some team that doesn't have as much of a traveling fan base, you know? So yep. um, I think that's why they end up not in the quick lane bowl a lot, but I, I would be on board with the quick lane bowl. It's an easy trip especially as a new father and someone who just went to New York, <laughs> I think I might be able to actually swing that one. So, uh, you know, it'd be fun. And I think a good crowd would show up for it. So um, yeah, that's going to do it. Is there anything else on football or? Uh... Well, play Indiana this week. Uh, I don't know you how much mention, you should mention uh, we're still in limbo on uh, those eight, eight defensive players now. right? Oh now. yeah. So I, I mean, I, there's, 
I guess the latest update would be uh, not much of an update. Um, Saturday, um, after Michigan State had, you know, finished their game um, and Michigan had finished its game, uh, the University of Michigan police announced uh, that they had completed their investigation and sent it to the Washington County Prosecutor's Office. Um, I spoke to the prosecutor briefly on Monday. Uh, obviously, no comment because it's something that's it's an open, you know, they're reviewing the, the information. Uh, the Big Ten released a statement basically um, saying they're waiting for the prosecutor uh, to make a determination before they make any sort of ruling about uh, discipline from from the league. Um, more or less, I mean, the Big Ten is not jumping out of turn. I know they've been really quiet on this and people have been calling for, you know, Kevin Warren to speak up and, and all this. And I get that. Um, and you probably could have issued some sort of statement. But uh, there's also the not, you know, jumping out of turn, letting the law enforcement process um, play out before before they do anything. So, um, yeah, really not much to update there. Just waiting on a determination of if charges will be uh, filed um, and then any you know further discipline that could come from it. Yeah, and I didn't really get into the Indiana game. It's at noon, Michigan State, you know, 49-217 record against Indiana all time. Indiana's lost seven straight games this year. They've had, uh, you know, injuries to their top receiver and also uh, quarterback position. It's just a game Michigan State should win. They're 10.5-point favorites, another noon kick. So you had to wait a little while, Matt, to get your noon kicks. So you got two in a row here. Not complaining. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, it's just I don't think we really need to get into it too much because similar to Lee this week, Michigan State's a better team than Indiana, and they should win the game. Yeah, you know, this is a game, again, just repeating, it's a game that they should win. Um, You know, they have, they, you know, to to turn things around and show some fight late in the season, not quit, you know, this is a game you got to put together, you know, senior day, um, be a lot of uh, notable players, last game at uh, Spartan Stadium. Um, But, yeah, I mean, Indiana's not going to roll over. Uh, I thought, you know, they they got, you know, routed last week at Ohio State, but, I thought Dexter Williams came in there and showed some good things at quarterback. So uh, I know Tim Allen Reeves. I was going to say, I'm curious who they'll start. Yeah, um, yeah. Whether it's him or uh, I always butcher the pronunciation. Basilek? Basilek. Basilek, thank you. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know. But Williams showed some stuff. So um, he's dual threat guy. And, yeah, well, he threw for, what, two touchdown passes against Ohio State, I think. So, um, you know, just obviously something to, to look for. Um, but, again, it's a game they should win, I think. Tyson Walker hit a thousand points last night, Kyle. And maybe maybe you, a double you got, OT there. You got your Twitter open too. <laughs> yeah, they just so, sent that out. So, so are, can I close with a funny story about Tyson Walker? Yeah, let's do it. So, um, at the you know you're at the Gamebridge Fieldhouse, and you know you're in these kind of nondescript locker rooms. Um, you know they have four and one for each team, and you're in this kind of bland locker room. So they they put this big rug on the floor that has a Michigan State logo on it to catch Michigan State locker room. So we're we're in there afterwards, and we're talking to Malik Hall, and suddenly Tyson Walker comes up, and he's like, "Hey, can you guys s- scoot a little bit?" And I said, "Yeah, you know." We look down, and he he's shooting and felt the rug, and then he gets down and he starts rolling it up. And he's like, yeah. And then Malik's like, you taking the rock home? Tyson's like, yeah, I kind of wanted the rock. I'm going to take the rock home. So <laughs> Tyson Walker rolls up the rug, grabs it, and just walks out of the locker room. And like, all the arena, everyone's kind of looking like, like, what's going on here? And he just holds up the rug and just like a boss just walks out of the arena, hold the rug and put it on the team plane, apparently. And 
probably on his apartment floor right now. Yeah, so I mean, if you, if, you, good. if you close out Kentucky in double overtime, you get to take home the rug. That's that's the moral of the story, I guess. <laughs> that's amazing. I'm glad we snuck that in there. That That's the kind of stuff we need mm-hmm. on Spartan Confidential, Kyle, right there. Uh, the inside stuff that not everyone gets to see. But yeah, congrats to Tyson Walker. Congrats to Michigan State. It's a big win to start the season. Um, Kyle will be there on Friday at the Breslin Center. It should really be bumping. Michigan State and Villanova. I can't remember the last time they played. It's a matchup I've been wanting to see for a long time. So, um, you know, maybe you could do some digging and share that with us next pod. But, um, you know, I'm excited for it. I know it's not vintage Villanova. Jay Wright's not there anymore, but it should be a big game. And then Matt will be at Spartan Stadium on Saturday uh, for Michigan State, Indiana, to see if Michigan State can become eligible. All of our work will be at MLive.com slash Spartans. And you can hit us up on Twitter if you want to. So uh, that'll do it for today's episode. Kyle Lawson and Matt Wenzel. I'm Brandon Champion. Thank you once again for listening to M Live Spartan Confidential Podcast. We'll talk to you next time and go green.